You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Uh, great to see you, Rob. Hey, Gary. How are you this morning? Good. How are you? How have you been? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. How was your week? What can I say, man? It's ups <laughs> and downs every week lately, it seems. A lot of volatility still. Um, but I am starting to see you know, a lot more people getting excited about the spring and summer market. All right. So, so here we are the uh, last weekend of March right now. And in fact, I think April 1st is, is uh, yeah, just uh, we'll be into April by the time mm-hmm. we get together again next week. Um, tra- now, traditionally, especially here in the Northeast, it's a time when people start. They just begin to go out and look for homes. Winter is more or less over. That's not to say that we can't get some bizarre storm uh, in the month of April. But usually when that happens, because the sun is positioned differently in April than it is, let's say, in January, the snow doesn't last too long. But they begin to start perusing the Internet, um, some of the the trade, the, the homing per- periodicals mm-hmm. that come out uh, weekly or whatnot, um, and start to attend some of these open houses that are more prevalent, I think, this time oh, of year than sure. in the winter months. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has got to be good for you, good business for you. But it, 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 it you kind of go um, like feast or famine, right? It's either it goes from being slow to holy cow. You know, it's hard for smashed. me to really say right now because we're in this transition, you know, into right. the spring. So like, I have more pre-approvals now than I've had. I can think back any year. That I've got more people out right now, more buyers. But the inventory out. is slow. Well, that's is low, the issue. Low, low, you know. So the fact that I have you know thirty plus pre-approved buyers out looking at homes right now, it really doesn't matter because those thirty pre-approved buyers may only be a couple deals closed because of the inventory. You see, in a normal market, I have three pre-approvals out, or I should say, historically speaking, about half of my pre-approvals would end up buying homes. But right now, it's less than that. It's like a quarter or even less because there's so few homes for sale. So what I'm trying to do is keep my buyers motivated, be that cheerleader, give them perspective on the market. If their agent that they're working with isn't giving them that perspective, I am because I've been doing this. This is my 21st year now in the industry. So it's like I'm in a position where I've seen the the ups, I've seen the downs and everything in between. And the ones that lose are the ones that quit. Okay. It's like anything else. You got to stay the course. So if you've got months left on your pre-approval, like don't give up. Now you have nothing to lose. You've done the hard work. Why the heck are you bowing out? That's a loser mentality. Do you see the inventory increasing in the next, let's say, month or two? I would say, you know, seasonally, yes, 100%. I see the inventory increasing. I very firmly believe that 30 to 60 days from now, there'll be more homes on the market than there are today simply because of the seasonality. We've done an entire episode on that. Listeners can go back and obviously hear that for more info. But the issue right now is the lock-in effect. The lock-in effect is the sellers that have the low mortgages. They have these two, three, four percent mortgages. They're going to sell their home and trade up to a mortgage that's five, six, seven percent, depending on the day, depending on the program, depending on the specifics. So it's giving up this really low, great thing to get this other thing that is good, but is it good enough, right? So they feel locked into their home. 
They feel literally like a prisoner in their own home because of that. And I had someone actually mention this to me yesterday, Gary, and I had to step back because they said, oh, no, I'm not interested in, in a home right now. We're not thinking of selling anymore because we don't want a new high rate on our new mortgage. I said, whoa, 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 wait a second. What about the fact that you're going to sell your home for 30% more than you would have 18 months ago? Why doesn't that factor in? Would you rather sell it for less and get a low rate or sell it for more and put more down and get a higher rate that we're going to refi in six months, a year, two years? And that really put them back and they go, wow, I didn't think of it like that. So I think you have to have the perspective. That's why this show is so important because so many people feel locked in, but they're making this huge financial move. They're actually missing out on an entire fortune that's in their home because of this fallacy that they're giving something up to get something that's not as good. They, they're leaving too much money on the table. It's unfortunate. I, and I want to kind of get into the, the you know today's topic a, a, a little sooner, and I will in just one moment. I wanted to touch just briefly about something that we had discussed last week, and it has to do, you know, with with the with the the text uh, banks out in the uh, on the West Coast, and even one here on the East Coast, and and you know what's kind of transpired, and that if you think that will have any residual trickle down effect into more local banks um, offering mortgages to the average consumer I don't, here. I don't see that right now. Okay. Um, the banks that are having those issues were leveraged significantly with the treasuries where the interest rates went up and now their holdings, their assets are not worth as much. So they're having to sell off assets at a loss. Um, that's You're not just seeing that with a lot of the other banks. Like this is a concentrated risk. I don't see that okay. uh, factoring in for other small banks. Um, we haven't seen a run on the bank. There's no reason to. Well, the big banks are safe as of right now. Um you know, you can go there and get your money out. And the Fed stepping in and saying, we're going to backstop this and make sure depositors are whole, that even more lends itself to the fact that, like, our banking system is safe. The The silver lining for the home buyers and, and homeowners out there is that mortgage rates, temporarily at least, ha have gotten a little bit cheaper, right? So you're going to get a better deal now because of that. Because there's been this flight to quality. So bond prices are but lower. How long is that going to last, right? Literally the yeah. drop of a dime. You know, the Fed makes a move. The Fed makes a comment. And that all gets reversed in a day or two. It happens. All right. um, only because I've got so more questions for this show than I typically do. It's a complex uh, topic. And it's also, it's been a taboo topic for quite a while. And there's a reason for that. I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you what the, what what the topic for uh, the today's show is. Um, but l let me just say briefly, um, things have changed. It's not how it used to be, and that's all the more the reason why this show today on this topic is so important. The topic is reverse mortgages. I know, I know. Don't turn this off and say, ah, I'm not interested. I'll I'll move along today, and I'll I'll, I'll watch the show next week's. It's not your grandfather's. That's for sure. Reverse mortgage. Times have changed. Um, the government's. It's it's more regulated. Um, let's get right into it. First, let's start with something very elementary. What is a reverse mortgage, and how exactly does it work? We can get into why it's got a bad rap and why sure. things have changed in a moment. Right. But let's just set the foundation. What is a reverse? So mortgage? the reverse mortgage is a type of loan that allows homeowners to convert their equity into cash without having to sell their home. Okay, it's that simple. There's a lot of different ways they can convert it into cash. You can get a lump sum of money at closing. You can get a line of credit that you have available that actually grows over time, guaranteed. 
Um, you can pay off debt with a reverse mortgage. Can you actually pay off your mortgage with it? Uh, absolutely. And if you're someone that has a current mortgage, then you're going to be required to pay off the the current forward mortgage in order to get a reverse. In most cases, there is actually just recently came out a second mortgage, reverse mortgage. So you can keep your first mortgage and keep making payments and get a second mortgage that doesn't require payments. Brand new product, different show because it's very niche, very different. But, you know, I wanted to do this, Gary, as an intro, an introductory to reverse mortgage because there's so much like you said, stigma, negativity. Mm-hmm. If we try to go through the reverse mortgage product from top to bottom, like we'd have a two-hour show and barely cover everything. So I wanted to get very elementary here to like the basics on reverse mortgages, an intro to reverse mortgages, and how to really unlock the value in your home using the reverse mortgage. So as you can see from that little explanation there, there's a, a lot of opportunity with the reverse mortgage, especially right now with the home values being so high. Okay. Um, who's eligible for a reverse mortgage and, and what are the requirements? So to be eligible for a reverse mortgage, you are a, must be a homeowner that's at least 62 years old and you have to have substantial equity in your home. The normal litmus test I use with my clients, what is substantial equity? Typically around 50% equity or more in your home. So a lot of seniors that have been in their home for 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years have been paying a mortgage. Maybe they have no mortgage. Maybe they took a 30-year mortgage they only have five years left on or 10 years left. So the balance has gone down substantially. They've got all this equity pent up in their home. That's substantial equity. If you're someone that bought a home 5, 10 years ago and you put very little down on it, 5, 10%, probably you're not going to qualify for a reverse mortgage because of that. You do also need to be able to pay your property taxes and insurance on the home. And you also need to pay the maintenance to keep the home up, like your landscaping and that sort of thing, repairs and whatnot. Um, A lot of people have this idea that reverse mortgage, now I don't have to make any payments. Yeah, you don't have a mortgage payment, but you're expected to make your property tax, home insurance, and keep the home in a livable condition, safety, a sound place to live. So that's all required. Now, the credit requirements for reverse mortgage are much, much lower than a regular mortgage. I've had people get reverse mortgages with credit even into the 500s and low 600s. That's almost impossible with other types of mortgage products. Um, the payment history is much more flexible. Quick story is I had a client come to me as a referral that was severely behind. They had a second, they had two mortgages. The first one they were okay on. The second one, they were like over a year behind. Oh boy. Okay. They had a spousal, uh, their spouse passed away, a loss of income. They weren't able to pay the second mortgage. At the same time that all happened, the rate skyrocketed because those second mortgages adjustable rate. So all of a sudden her payment went just through the roof. She couldn't afford it, so she went a year behind. But she had, in her case, she had 70% equity in her home. So between the two mortgages she had, they they only composed 30% of her equity. She had 70% available. I looked at it and said, there's got to be a way to do this. She had applied for all sorts of mortgages and lines of credit, and she couldn't get anything because of her payment history. We were able to look at it. We got her approved for a reverse mortgage. It, it was not easy. It took a while, took like a couple months, and we had to get a lot of extra paperwork. But we took this lady who literally was in foreclosure. She mm. was in foreclosure, about to lose her home. We eliminated all her mortgage payments, and she got a line of credit at closing for thousands of dollars that now she was able to use. That's just one example. That was a client that closed with me a little bit less than a year ago. And I've spoken to them recently, and it's like they hit the lottery. This is the reason they stayed in their home. No, it's a nice story, but why? Why? What makes a person, what's the most common reasons why people would choose 
even to get a, a, a reverse mortgage? Number one reason why you choose to get a reverse mortgage is for cash flow, to supplement your okay. income. Okay. Two really two ideas behind that. Number one is we're eliminating your mortgage payment. So for most people, that could be a thousand, two thousand or more a month on their principal and interest. So that alone could recapture, you know, a lot of money in your budget, right? From your social security, from your pension. Money that you don't have to send to mortgage now that can stay in your bank account. The other thing is that many cases you get this line of credit and this line of credit can be drawn on for any purpose. So many people will just draw on the line of credit for income. Oh, I'm short on my bills by $500 this month. Instead of using a credit card or taking a personal loan, no, no, no. You've got this reverse mortgage line of credit. It's attached to your home. It's contractually guaranteed to increase and you don't have to make payments on it. You can. You are allowed, but you don't have to make payments on it. So it's such a better idea for seniors than getting into debt or supplementing their income by going getting a part-time job. Not that I don't suggest that, but this is just so much of an easier way to go about it. So that's really the main reasons. I would also say many seniors get these to help pay medical expenses. You know, the healthcare costs can get really high in life. Home improvements. People want to stay in their home, but they're living, let's say, in a two-story home. They don't want to give the home up, but they're at the phase in their life where they can't go up and down the steps. Maybe they need to put an elevator in the home. Maybe they need to change their stairway or move the master to the first floor. A reverse mortgage can give you the money you need to make those repairs, renovations, or improvements. That's huge. And paying existing debts. You know, credit card debt, I heard yesterday, it's at the all-time high and going higher, and the rates are going higher on those debts. So it's like, all right, what do you do? And a lot of seniors have been saddled with debt. The reverse mortgage can pay all that off and give you that clean slate in many cases. Those are the main reasons people get it. What about the amount of the reverse mortgage? How is it calculated? How is it determined? And what factors influence that goes into the calculation? So it's reverse mortgage is definitely not as clean cut as a regular forward mortgage. So on like a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac conventional loan or even an FHA uh, refi or home purchase loan, like I can tell you, okay, you have to put three and a half percent down or you need to put 25 percent down for that product. It's very particular. Reverse mortgage is not like that at all. There's many different factors that go into it. Number one is your age. So somebody that's 70 is going to qualify for a different reverse mortgage than somebody that's 63, 65, 67. The older you are, generally, the better terms you qualify for because there's a higher likelihood of you passing away. And that all actually plays in with a reverse mortgage, as crazy as it sounds. So that's one piece of it, the borrower's age. Next is the value of the home. That's probably the biggest piece is what is the home worth? Reverse mortgages sometimes require two appraisals, but a minimum of one to verify how much the house is worth. So, of course, if you think your house is worth three fifty and the appraisal comes in at only three hundred, that's going to affect in a big way how much money you can get, your line of credit, if you even are able to get a reverse mortgage at all. So that's another thing. And then the last thing is the interest rate on the loan. The interest rate on a reverse mortgage is very different from a normal forward mortgage because they're actually modeling out with a reverse mortgage, how much is your balance going to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Because you're not expected to make payments, the amount of the interest that accumulates has a big effect on how much you can borrow. So borrower's age, value of the home, and the interest rate. Rob, let's talk about the repayment process, because I've I've heard that you, it's up to you. You said something a moment ago that you, if you want to make a payment, you can. If you don't want to make a payment, you don't yep. have. You're not have. You don't have to make these monthly payments. But when you do sell the house, or should you pass away, that's when it all has it to has be repaid to, back. Right. right. So you're right, Gary. Borrowers 
are optionally making a payment while the reverse mortgage is outstanding. So you have the option to make interest payments or repay the loan in full at any time. You're allowed to. So you, if you're still working, and I have clients, several, that are taking reverse mortgages and they're still working. Yeah. They're finishing their careers up and they're having this in play. you got to be 62? You have to be 62. So you really, if you're retiring folks at 65 or older, you, you, you there is some overlapping of time where you can actually oh, qualify yeah. age-wise for Absolutely. a reverse mortgage. And, and I would still tell working. you, yeah. the sooner you get it, the more growth you actually have with the reverse mortgage. Okay. I read an article earlier, actually before coming here to the station, that talked about... Getting a reverse mortgage at 62 versus 70, and regardless of the home value being more and all that when you're 70, you actually come out ahead with it getting it earlier because of the guaranteed growth on the line of credit. It's huge. So there's an illustrator that we use, and you know there's ways that we can run numbers, but that's a big thing is having the option to make payments. Now, going back to what you said is the repayment process for the reverse mortgage is required when you either sell your home. Or you move out. Maybe you go into assisted living or so you're still alive, mm. but you're not living in that home anymore. Maybe you just decide 10 years in, hey, you know what? I want to move to Florida and go down there and get a condo and not deal with this house at all. But you want to keep it as a rental property or something. You can do that. But the reverse mortgage is going to have to be paid at the point that you move out, pass away, or you sell the home. Those are the three of when it has to be paid in full. One big benefit, though, is people think, well, if I'm not making payments, the balance is going to get up too high, and then my kids won't be able to sell my house, or I'm going to owe more than the house is worth. One of the best protections in the reverse mortgage is that the balance on the mortgage can never be more than the house is worth. They will not allow that. It's protected by the government and the FHA mortgage insurance for this. So 95%, regardless of what the house is worth, when you pass on, 95 FHA the backs these loans will take 95% of whatever the house is worth at the time you sell it. So if there's another 50 grand there above what it's worth, the government eats that. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. If you like more information, it's real easy to get. All you got to do is head on to his website, which is www.robgw.com. By the way, I'll, I'll repeat that website. I'll give you the email address. I'll even give you his phone number more towards the end of the show. Okay. Now, not everything is utopia all the time. We're talking about how it's really advantageous uh, of, of for people, but... There's got to be, like everything else, there's got to be some drawbacks. Yeah, right? there's definitely drawbacks to the reverse mortgage. Uh, we got to address them for sure. So I would say the number one drawback are that the reverse mortgage has higher fees than a regular ah, forward mortgage. Okay. It does. Um That's just the nature of reverse mortgages because, like we were discussing, there's some insurance Mm -hmm. that's required that you get involved in when you get a reverse mortgage. You have to pay an upfront mortgage insurance premium, which can be several thousand dollars. It's based off a specific percentage of the uh, principal limit. So that can be, you know, many thousands of dollars more. But like I always say, like, cost is what you pay. Value is what you get. So we need to make sure the value of the reverse mortgage is going to be enough to outweigh the costs. And this is a decision and a process that I go through with all my clients to make sure that these potentially high fees are going to be good and good for you in the long term, right? The other thing is that if you're not making payments on the reverse mortgage, the balance goes up every month. So like your regular mortgage, the balance goes down, right? Even if it's a few hundred dollars, it's not going up. Well, a reverse mortgage is a negatively amortizing loan. What that means is if there's a month that goes by and you don't pay the interest and you don't have to, 
they're just going to tack that onto the back of the loan. So you might start out, for example, at 100000 The next month, it's 101, 102, 103, 105, 108. And it starts compounding to the point where 10, 15, 20 years, you may owe more than the home is worth. It's possible. Reverse mortgages are really designed so that that doesn't happen, but it is possible. So that is a drawback that your, your um, kids, your heirs may end up not getting any equity out of that house. They'll pay the reverse mortgage off. They'll pay the realtor commission, but there may not be anything left for them. That's a risk. That's hmm. a drawback. But that's something that most people that get a reverse mortgage know up front. Oh, I've got this other fund set aside for my kids or I'm leaving them this money or I have life insurance. The house equity is not typically going to be left to the kids for someone that's getting a reverse mortgage. It could be, but it's typically not in their head because if it was, they wouldn't be doing the reverse mortgage, at least not a top priority. Another thing is, and this is a travesty when I see this happen, but I actually have a family member uh, down in Brooklyn, New York, who their mother took a reverse mortgage and passed away just a few months after taking the reverse mortgage. It's unfortunate, but what I found in that scenario is that because they came to me and said, Rob, you're a mortgage advisor. Wells Fargo is asking me for tens of thousands of dollars that I owe them on this mortgage, but my mom just took it out and hasn't even taken any money from it. So why do I owe them? It was an obscene amount. It was like, I want to say it was $50,000 they owe just after a few months. Why did they owe all that? Because they had all these fees paid up front, this mortgage insurance premium, and then the interest had started accumulating for several months. So he owed them a lot of money. So the reverse mortgage, I mean, for what it's worth, you want to try to stay alive as long as you possibly can because the bank is betting that you're going to pass on. You're betting that you're going to stay alive. And the longer you stay alive, the more benefit you get from that reverse mortgage and the less benefit the banks get from it. So as morbid as it may sound, I've heard of reverse mortgages referred to as a reverse life insurance policy because the bank is actually taking like a policy out on you saying that you're going to pass away and they're going to get this reverse mortgage money versus you who's saying, I'm going to stay in the house and I'm going to keep milking this equity while I can. So the longer that you keep that reverse mortgage, the better situation you're going to be in. It's when it gets paid off or someone passes in the first five to seven years that the fees can be very, very high and really predatory, but these aren't meant for people that are just going to keep them for a short amount of time. I tell my clients minimum of five to seven years to make it even start the conversation. How would you compare a reverse mortgage, let's say like a home equity loan or a line of credit or Can you even compare or contrast them? So I would say just the biggest difference is going to be that on the reverse mortgage, there's no monthly payments required. On all the other types of mortgages in the entire world, there are payments required. On this type of mortgage, there's not payments required. It's payment optional. So that's a big one. And then the loan gets repaid when the borrower no longer lives in a home, in the home, whereas a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan, if you move out of the home, they don't require you to pay it. You may be renting the house out. Those loans are only required to be paid when you either refinance or sell the home. The reverse mortgage is required to be paid when you are no longer living in the home as your primary residence. Okay, so that's a big difference, too. I would say one of the biggest benefits to a reverse mortgage line of credit, if you're going to compare it to like a home equity line of credit, is that the line of credit on reverse mortgage grows every year at a contractually obligated amount. So even if your home value went down because the market did bad, your reverse mortgage line of credit actually goes up every year by a contractually guaranteed amount. It's actually the interest rate amount. So if your interest rate is 6%, for example, on the reverse mortgage, 
your line of credit is going to grow by 6%. So think about that. If you have a $100,000 line of credit and it grows by 6%, the next year it's now worth 106000 Then it grows another 6%, another 6%. So you can really see the benefit. Other lines of credit, Gary, don't have that. And we talked about the non-recourse loan. Mm-hmm. On a home equity line of credit, if your home value goes down and you sell the home, you're going to have to pay that difference there. And many people have been caught with their financial pants down, so to speak. And they've had that. Reverse mortgage is a non-recourse loan. Even if you owe more than the house is worth, the government eats that extra cost in the mortgage insurance, what not you. What about tax implications to consider when getting a reverse mortgage? Yeah, so this is a big area that people have a lot of bad information about and myths. So there actually are not tax implications to getting a reverse mortgage because oh. a reverse mortgage is not income. A reverse mortgage is loan proceeds. As of right now, we're sitting here, it's 2023, As of right now, and really for as long as I've known, the government has never taxed loan proceeds. Never. So there's no tax implications there. The only thing to keep in mind if you're getting a reverse mortgage is if you're someone that's qualifying for Medicaid. I've heard that's the one place is Medicaid. You're only allowed to have a certain amount of money in your bank accounts. And if you just get a reverse mortgage and get 10 grand and put that in your bank, you may not no longer actually qualify for Medicaid or one of those government assistance. That's the only implication that you want to be aware of. What can you use the funds for then? No restriction, Gary. Reverse mortgage, there's absolutely no restriction. I would tell you the most common use of funds on a reverse mortgage would be paying off debt, supplementing your retirement income. You know, maybe you have a little bit of a shortfall every month. You need to take a little money off that line of credit to make that shortfall. That's totally fine. That's very common. And then paying for home improvements, medical expenses. I had a client that did a bunch of renovations on their home. That They got a reverse mortgage with me a couple years ago up in Massachusetts. And I just talked to them the other day for their annual review. And they're finishing a bunch of uh, renovations on the house. And I was like, whoa, okay, how'd you fund all that? He's like, Rob, that reverse mortgage line of credit, it's been growing like you told me it would. That, that line of credit's been going up every year. And I've used that to fund these actual bucket, maybe a bucket list uh, vacation. All right. I'm running out of time. Really quickly. What advice would you give somebody if they're considering it? And, and yeah, you got to consider it closely. This isn't something you just wake up one day and say you want to do. So before you get a reverse mortgage, you want to consult with your financial advisor. You definitely want to get with a mortgage advisor like myself that specializes in these type of loans, has a lot of experience, that knows the ins and outs. Because like you said, these changed in the last five years. They're not the reverse mortgage your grandfather got. So you got to know the guidelines. Um, Also, you're going to be required to get counseling as part of the reverse mortgage. We didn't dive into that, but that is a requirement. So you're going to want to do that very early in the process because you're going to get a lot of information and documentation that's going to help you get more clarity on all this. Is that part of the process? And what about some important milestones? That's it. Milestone number one is getting a proposal package done with a mortgage advisor and then getting your counseling. That's first. Next, you're going to do the loan application. Then you're going to do the underwriting processing appraisal. Sometimes you need two appraisals. Then we got your final approval and the clear to close. And then you'll have your closing. Three business days after the closing, you'll get access to your funds. So there you go for All the process. Right. Folks, if you'd like more information about uh, reverse mortgages or any other topic that we discuss on this show, simply head on over to the website, www.robgw.com. Uh, incidentally, if you've got a question that you'd like to have asked on this show, on these very airwaves, maybe as soon as even uh, next week, Simply email Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And if you'd like to schedule a meeting, uh, a consultation with Rob Weinberg, it's easy to do. Simply call this number, 860-413-3938. Again, one more time, 860-413-3938. 
38. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.